Hey everybody, welcome back to Grey Malkin Lane. I am your host, Chad Anderson, and this is the podcast where queer friends gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics from the 1960s. Uh, last week we had uh, Dayspring and Rowan and Patrick here. We talked all about X-Men number 17 called And None Shall Survive, although they all survived. Uh, where we saw Iceman hospitalized due to the injuries he sustained uh, from the Sentinels, while the rest of the X-Men were ambushed one at a time in their own home uh, by the surprise villain Magneto, who left the most ridiculous traps for each one of the heroes, uh, including a uh, a hallway full of wax. Anyway, uh, he also defeated Professor X and the other four X-Men, loaded them into a weather balloon, the circa 1960s Batman TV show villain plots, and uh, let them drift towards space where they may die. Uh, Then at the end, Magneto surprised uh, uh, Angel's parents, uh, Warren Worthington Jr. and Catherine Worthington as they showed up at the school. Uh, so kind of a, a, a big, uh, suspenseful ending. Uh, we're here today to discuss X-Men number 18, which is uh, If Iceman Should Fail. And I am joined by my regular co-host, Heather, who is back after a, uh, a week off. Hooray! And uh, rejoined again by our friend, Noel, who I'm so thrilled to have you both here. Uh, as we begin today, we'll do our standard introductions. Let us know who you are, what your gender pronouns are, uh, where people can find you online, if you'd like to share what you're working on. And the question I have for each of us today is, uh, let me know some of your favorite mad scientists and some of perhaps their craziest uh, mad scientist plots. That can be from any medium, including the X-Men. Heather, do you want to start us today? Sure. My name is Heather, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I was thinking a lot about the mad scientists and the ones that came immediately to mind I don't know if you ever saw this movie. It, it was a Jerry Lewis movie, so you know it was old. Um, it was, I think it was The Absent-Minded Professor or something like that. And it, he was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde type. Like he was super nerdy and like no girls liked him. And then he made this potion that made him into like the cool dude. And... I, it's in black and white and, you know, because it's Jerry Lewis and it's old. But um, I just remember watching that a lot with growing up and because we love Jerry Lewis and my family. And so that was the one that came to mind first. I also am a fan of just Jekyll and Hyde. Not the book, though. The book is boring as hell. Nothing happens in that book. If you want to get into Jekyll and Hyde, the musical is the way to go. <laughs> we, uh, we love a magic potion that just, like, changes our nature somehow. I think I saw that Jerry Lewis movie, but I was like 10. It's been a- I was probably about the same age, so. I'm a lot older than you, so it's been a lot longer. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, Heather, go ahead. I'm sorry, Noelle, go ahead. (laughs) I'm Noelle, she, her, hers. I'm from the X-Men Unraveled podcast. And I was trying to think of different mad scientists. I think X-Men wise, I go with Mr. Sinister. He's terrible, but always fun and uh my favorite one though i think would be from the fringe tv show walter bishop um he's like one of the main characters but he he was really into lsd in the 70s and ends up finding a way into um an alternate dimension because he was using lsd and like started thinking that everything he saw was real 
And he really did find a way into another alternate dimension. Um, he keeps a cow in his lab. And one of my favorite parts of the show is he gets a papaya for an experiment. He puts googly eyes and pipe, uh, pipe cleaner arms on it. And then he like shoots microwaves at it and it explodes. And he says how sad it is because papayas are the friendliest of fruits. So he's definitely a mad scientist that I love. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, there are so many mad scientists out there. Uh, my name is Chad, uh, he, him, his, and there are mad scientists in every genre. I think, of course, of uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde comes to, to mind, uh, Dr. Frankenstein, of course. Uh, we, we've had mad scientists in our uh, lexicon of literature, I think, it's, uh, for, for many generations. There, I remembered lots of little shows growing up where, like, sitcoms that I grew up watching where, like, even, like, Urkel in Family Matters has a couple episodes where he does crazy mad science experiments. But most of my reading experience is uh, comics, and there are so many mad scientists uh, in comics. Uh, there are um, there are some for, like, every, every team out there, I feel like. And I think if we focus just on, like, geneticists, Mr. Sinister being an incredible example of people who can, like, twist DNA together and, uh, and create uh, uh, animal versions or altered versions of, of humans. Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is another example of this, like the sludge falls on animals and changes them into like human fighting things. You know, I, I, I love myself a good story. There's a, a classic villain from, uh, obscure villain from the Captain America comics called Dr. Carl Malice, who's created a series of just ridiculous villains. One of them is the armadillo, He's a, like a Mexican wrestler who gets his DNA spliced with an armadillo and he fights Captain America sometimes. So you get you get a, a lot of a, a lot of crazy ones. Uh, Spider-Man fights the Jackal, who is a, a green monstery guy who clones Spider-Man over and over and over again. So we get we get these types of villains for different heroes and it's a lot of fun. Uh, with the X-Men themselves, and, and Noel, you may be the best person to ask, what other evil geneticists can you think of besides Mr. Sinister, if any? Does Apocalypse count? I think he does. He uses like celestial technology, but yes, I think he counts. Um, Dark Beast and Sugar Man from the AOA do a lot of like genetic splicing. Uh, are you reading Hellions right now? Um, not yet. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Mr. Sinister is a featured character and he's got these crazy like genetic wars going on with a, a mutant named Tarn the Uncaring and it's delicious. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, so I, I think we probably could list 10 or 12 if we really stretched our brains. Uh, in this issue of the X-Men, we have Magneto doing crazy geneticist stuff. And I'll just stay right at the start of the episode. As far as I can tell, and I've read, I think, everything Marvel's done uh, at least once, probably two or three times, I don't think anyone has ever explained how Magneto knows how to do genetic stuff. I think that's an unexplained part of his origin. We know a lot about his origins, uh, but he does crazy things with robots and sometimes uh, people. Magneto, a little bit later in the X-Men mythos, uh, moves to the Savage Land and experiments on some like caveman guys. We've been to the Savage Land before, right? And he creates a team called the Savage Land Mutates where he gives these people superpowers. Uh, they're delicious X-Men villains that are kind of obscure. Uh, but this is a strange part of, uh, of Magneto's uh, plots that we get to see explored here a little bit. Yeah, there were a few things throughout the comic where I was sitting there, I was like, 
what what <laughs> so many yeah i was I, I was wondering that too about the whole i was like when is since when is magneto a geneticist but it kind of reminded me of the movie when he changed um was it the senator i can't remember yeah, yeah, yeah. turned him into a weird mutant In mutate thing a, a blob thing and there is yeah. a difference uh uh words wise between a mutant and a mutate a mutant has uh the altered dna that gives them like the birthright to mutant powers whereas a mutate is someone who's been experimented on uh so you see the difference laid out in comics quite frequently uh before we delve into today's issue last time we had all four guys on and there was a very problematic scene between beast and gene gray in the last issue where he's like very insulting. He calls her wench and female. And when she's worried about her teammates, he implies uh, that, oh, like you can't, oh, I don't, even, I don't even remember the words he used, but I was so horrified. Uh, I'm actually gonna turn back there briefly. Uh, he, he says, just like a woman, if someone isn't fracturing your eardrums every conceivable minute, you begin to fear that something's amiss. Uh, since we have two women on today, are you willing to share your reactions to that scene? Because we were all horrified last time. Yeah, I had some hardcore cringe going on and was not very pleased with Hank McCoy. <laughs> yeah, that was rough to read. Uh, I, whenever men go to the hysteria thing, always just sends my blood pressure spiking. <laughs> Harassment in the workplace. Uh, this is this is the panel that has made me cringe hardest and most uncomfortably, with the exception of Professor X lusting after Jean. That being the most problematic. But Jean has been groped and belittled and set aside. Oh. But like it was all kind of in one panel here. And I was and I was real frustrated. It was. Oof. And there was something about it just being Beast and Jean present for the conversation. Like, but he wasn't maybe... trying to show off for his boys. No, he actually said it. Yeah. That's true. I didn't give that thought. They were alone during that. Uh, I mean, Jean stands up for herself, which is a nice thing. She like spins him around in the air and uh and and stands up. But yeah, it's uh I what I mentioned in the podcast last time is I'm wondering if Stan Lee, the writer, like had just tried to grope his secretary and she turned him down. <laughs> and so he's like is, you know, like fueling his rage in this panel that he wrote about. But it was it was very uncomfortable. Uh, I kind of want to see it revisited in a modern comic where they go back and say, hey, do you remember that time you called me a wench at the hospital? Because that wasn't okay. <laughs> that would be great. Okay, well, as we jump into today, there was no sexism in today's comic that I saw. I might- Sorry, I'm moving, so there's going to be some. Oh, good, you're okay. Uh, as we jump into today's comic, let's begin with kind of reactions to the cover of X-Men 18. What were some of your preliminary reactions. Mash Magneto has like fingertip flashlight powers here. Yeah, what is that? And I love his yes. crazy eyes. He has crazy eyes like this issue. Yeah, he, he's looking real evil and real insane here. Very. Uh, I like how all the other characters along the side, you see all their faces. Everyone looks shocked and horrified, but Jean just looks sort of confused. Like he's not sure what's happening. I think that Jean's hair has been pulled through the hair holes a little too tight. <laughs> she's got like a Botox effect from her hair. Mm -hmm. Like restricted facial movements. 
I'm so excited for her to get a new cowl. Like it will happen because this is this is her worst. <laughs> so bad. Uh, it is an effective cover. We we talked last week about the the cover being kind of a horror centric. It's all like red and black and scary. But now yeah. we have the big reveal. And if you guys remember, Magneto was taken into space by the Stranger uh, back in X Men number eleven. So the 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 big reveal of him at the end for the original readers in the sixties are like, oh my god, he's back from space. Like uh, it's it's a little bit scary. Uh, as we as we open the issue, we get to see uh, Artie Simak. Uh, feeling himself. So normally, if you guys read the credits, Artie Simak is the letterer, and he usually has nice things to say about everyone else, and he kind of tears himself down in a humorous way. But today he does the opposite, because it's his birthday. He says, uh, a fair story by Stan Stan Lee, adequate art by Jay Gavin, uh, tolerable inking by Dick Ayers, and the world's greatest lettering by Artie Simak, Marvel's birthday boy of the month. Uh, it's also worth noting in these credits that uh, that this is not drawn by Jack Kirby. This is a Jay Gavin, which is a cover name for the artist Werner Roth. Uh, uh, so we get a full-on new penciler, and pretty pretty soon we're going to get a full new creative team in the issue. Uh, who wants to open up these first couple pages for us? What's happening? Well, first of all, I like how they give you like what happened at the end of the issue in this on the cover, not on the cover, but on the first page. In the little yellow ribbon and it's like you know we'll go back a bit in an effort to bring you up to date thus proving no sacrifices too great for us to make in this the magnificent new marble age of comics but don't expect us to make a habit of it here <laughs> breaking the fourth wall in a big way <laughs> i kind of like stanley's tongue-in-cheek word bubbles back then i think they're i think they're entertaining uh, the X-Men are in this like little weather balloon floating towards space, uh, toward their death. And, it, and the way they eventually break out of this is almost silly. But at this point, it seems very dangerous. Uh, one of our guests last time was like, when I read it, I was kind of like, "Woo, that's really scary if I read this as a kid. Like, they're going to die in space. Oh, no. Uh, but we, we get to Magneto on Earth kind of throwing a full-on fit and using his powers pretty impressively as he lifts the entire X-Mansion out of the ground and then changes his mind. He puts it back down thinking, oh, this could be my base. I could uh, I, I could be uh, use my headquarters here. Uh, Noel, do you like, Noel, do you like Magneto? I love Magneto, not Why? gonna lie. <laughs> First, I think he's right. Uh, he's definitely more just the evil villain at this point, but... I don't think Magneto is wrong. And I love his story. I, I'm all about Magneto. I like complicated, like, politician, politician Magneto, but this is like megalomaniacal, I want an army of slaves Magneto. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's complex here. Uh, we were talking last week about, you can compare him to a lot of the other 60s supervillains, like the Mad Thinker and the Red Skull and the Mandarin, and they're all just like, raw, like shaking their fists at the sky and like crazy villainous, ridiculous plots all the time. Uh, I love yeah. him for that. And like in this one, when he picks up the house, it's like he's not the later Magneto where he's always got a plan and he knows what he's doing. He's like, I'm going to destroy the house because I'm mad. Oh, wait, maybe I don't want to destroy the house. Like he's not thinking for all the planning he did to capture the X-Men. He's really not thinking very far ahead. 
No, he's not. He also, I was thinking initially that this is the most impressive thing he's done with his powers until I remembered that he had a base on an asteroid that he was floating through space. So that's a little more impressive. But still, he lifted a whole a whole damn house, which is pretty amazing. Uh, we see him kind of uh, throwing a fit inside, though, as he destroys Cerebro. Uh, what's the sound effect as he destroys Cerebro? Anyone? Yeah. We get a we get a we get a foom, which is actually which is actually a, a, a nerd dive. Anybody know about foom? Not. Back in the 1960s, you could write letters into Marvel, and based on certain things that you could do, they would award you with different titles, uh, like as far as what level of fan you were, but based on how many books you were buying and your your level of interest with the company. But one of them was a FOOM, which stands for a friend of old Marvel, FOOM. Uh, and they actually had a magazine for a long time called FOOM. Uh, so there were like art contests and all kinds of things that ran in their Foom magazine. So the Foom sound effect here is kind of fun. It's uh, the Friends of Old Marvel. So uh, Warren's parents come in and uh, what happens? What does Magneto do? He like hypnotizes them somehow with his eyeballs. Got crazy eyes again. <laughs> yes. He, uh, he uses... super crazy eye. He uses the magic or the power of magnetic attraction, uh, which comes across like telepathy. Frankly, we have seen yeah. we have seen him project his astral self before, but this is like another example of him using uh, some kind of hypnosis. And uh, you think he's going to murder the Worthingtons, but what does he do instead? He sends them upstairs to sleep. Go to bed. <laughs> He just puts them up in their rooms and keeps them asleep with some sort of magnet machine over them. Uh, so I don't know what the parents are thinking. They come to their son's school and here's this man dressed in purple and red and they're just acting all calm like it's all normal. I, uh, I'm not quite sure what's going on for them. Maybe they're on LSD. Maybe they're, maybe they're used to costumes. They're, they were raised to be very polite, they're high society, and so they're holding to their breeding. Ooh, I actually just, this just occurred to me, the Worthingtons do have some connections to the Hellfire Club, mm. and the Hellfire Club is known for throwing, like, parties where they're all in, like, bondage gear, <laughs> like, crazy costumes, so maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe they just think it's normal for a grown man to wear, <laughs> wear crazy gear in, in big mansions. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so we get to the return of Dr. John Thomas, who worked on Iceman last issue. And uh, we really liked him in, in the last episode. Uh, he's administering kind of a secret cure. He's got this special uh, device to penetrate Iceman with. Snicker, snicker, because uh, <laughs> Iceman is gay and some gay people really like to be penetrated. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've got this drug that seems to fix whatever was wrong with Iceman. We're not really sure why he got sick in the first place, but it seems to work. So good dog, good job with uh, Dr. John Thomas. Um, laser gun. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of crazy cool. It's a little sixty science. So you can uh, get their incredible skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about like if you were an actual medical professional and your pace, patient had turned to ice, 
but you can still detect the heartbeat. Like he's uh, he's kind of a trooper here. I, I really like him. Yeah. And like, is Iceman like solid ice or is he covered in ice? Because it seems like whatever drug they use gets to his bloodstream, but I wasn't sure about the details. Back in the 60s, it seems like he covers himself in ice. But oh, in the more modern comics, he can change into ice. We have okay. we have scenes where he's literally shattered to pieces and puts himself back together in ice form. Uh, so he's, I think back then, he's just covered in ice. Because we've seen him de-ice into his like little yellow shorts before, right? So I, I think he's still learning learning the ropes back then. Well, and as far as the doctor goes, I think it, it was helpful that he was brought in with other X-Men because like if it was just like a random patient who, you know, was found and brought in, then yeah, you'd be real confused. But since he came in and like his almost his whole team was with him there and they can kind of tell him what's going on, then I think it is, I mean, it's still, he's still being a trooper and it's still confusing, but it's less confusing because you at least know what's going on. So we shift to the unconscious X-Men uh, in the weather balloon. Professor X's powers are being blocked by a mental wave distorter of some kind, which tracks because Magneto has a helmet which can block telepathy. So he's clearly devised something that can block Professor X's powers. But we see something really interesting here. We see Professor X say he has over Magneto has overlooked one basic item my ability to read minds and project thoughts is due to the counter ego which I possess now the term counter ego makes me think of like a dark side or like something under the surface and we we talked in the trial episode about how Mag, uh, Professor X has like manifested his dark side as a separate entity at times uh it, as as onslaught most most prominently so this is almost like an early reference to this like underlying piece of him, which is a, a little jarring. No, did that stand out to you at all? I didn't think about it. I was like, this seems like some weird like psychology language they were trying to use. But yeah, looking at it that way, that makes a lot of sense. And he gets real kind of like angry and as he's trying to break out of the machine or whatever he's in. We get like five straight panels of him giving us the best constipated face that he can. He's clearly trying to pass a kidney stone and he overloads the machine with a kabak. I love 60s sound effects. Uh, and then he is free and has his powers back, but they are in a limited oxygen environment. Uh, Professor X's powers in the rest of this issue are just stupid. And we'll talk about why in a little while. I'm, I'm super annoyed with the inconsistency. Uh, but uh, tell me about the uh, these panels where the X-Men are waking up. What were some of your thoughts here as they're trapped in the balloon? My first was about Jean laying across Professor Xavier and how when he woke up, um, he probably would have been really happy about that. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I know, I know. Almost as if he's enjoying a quiet moment with unconscious Jean. Perhaps stroked her hair a few times. Ew. I know. He grabbed her little pigtail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I refuse to call those pigtails. I think they're poodle ears. Mm. It's just I I can We'll come back and back to Jean's cow for as long as she wears it. Uh, Heather, did you have any thoughts on these on these panels where the X Men are waking up? Um, uh, I I appreciated that as soon as Jean was like back, she's like, I just 
as soon as she was coherent, she was like, Professor Magneto is alive. And whereas um, Hank wakes up, yeah, Beast, he's like, what about Iceman? Oh, even yeah. before that, Beast, Beast, not, comes, Beast comes out of full unconsciousness and his first goddamn words are, it behooves us to evacuate this cubicle before the air is dissipated. Yeah, your long words are not helping preserve the oxygen, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he yelled those words too, which doesn't help. And he's taking big breaths. <gasps> like you you just know. <laughs> he's got his his lungs are as big as his toes. I don't know. <laughs> uh so as uh, as we flip back to the mansion, we see Magneto uh rearranging machines in such a way that he can keep the Worthingtons unconscious. Uh, and then we realize that he has this plot because these these parents have a mutant child. He wants to harvest their DNA to create genetic mutants that can serve him. Now he's had a full team of mutants. He could take actual mutant DNA from Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Mastermind Toad, or from the X Men when they were captive. Uh, and and create genetic duplicates. But he wants to use the human DNA uh, to combine them to create mutant slaves. I am not a geneticist, but how does this science track for you guys? Not super well. Well, first it, of all... Oh, go ahead. No, no go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, first of all, the fact that there's just a machine over the Worthingtons and it doesn't look like it's actually like extracting fuck anything i don't understand first of all how he's getting the dna if it's not actually like connected to them and also unless he's going to give them like half a brain or less then it's not going to they're not going to mindlessly follow him and if they have half a brain or less then he might as well get towed back <laughs> he left Toad behind. We're going to get there in a minute. Now, now genetics-wise, you can take the DNA of two people and combine it in an infinite number of ways to create an endless possibility of different, uh, different offspring, right? Like, my parents have seven kids. We couldn't be more different from each other than we tried, even right. though we shared DNA. And some of us, frankly, even look very different. But I don't think there's any guarantee that every combination of that DNA is going to be a mutant nor that it would result in Warren's specific uh, right. specific mutation. But he seems to be using it in such a way that it's creating some sort of bizarre clones, or it even calls them androids at one point in this issue. These kind of monstrous little creatures that he's going to make millions of to conquer the planet with. It is not a very sound plan. And Magneto gets it, needs to get in to see his psychiatrist very, very soon. <laughs> He does. And it reminded me a lot of um, how the Sentinels made more of themselves. Like that seemed to make very little sense. And it was almost like they copy pasted that onto Magneto trying to make new mutants. Yeah, it's, oh my God. Uh, I don't know why this just occurred to me in this moment. The biggest geneticist that Marvel has, the evil one, is a Captain America villain named Arnim Zola, who has like a whole dimension of his own uh, genetic creations. Anyway. Total sidestep. I just thought of Artem Zola, which is like, he's the, he's the craziest one of them all. Uh, yeah, it's a weird plot by Magneto here. He could grab any human, any mutant and do all kinds of things genetically, but for some reason, 
he he's going to use the Worthingtons. I feel like a future writer could take this plot. Like these DNA samples exist somewhere. And I, I feel like someone could do something with this, but uh, we'll get to how it concludes uh, in a few minutes. On uh, page eight, we're back inside the weather balloon where the X-Men are trying to devise a way out. What happens? They try to have genius. Oh, the the balloon to the ground first, so she can't do that. So yeah, Jean's like using her powers to stop the balloon from going higher, which is just goddamn impressive. Well done, Jean. Mm -hmm. And uh, Professor X realizes by using his powers that the Worthingtons have been captured, which poor Warren, like he must be all kinds of scared trapped in his balloon up there. Uh, and then Professor X needs help. So who does he summon, Heather? Iceman. Now, he could call the Avengers. He could call the Fantastic Four. Let's call my 16-year-old student who's in a coma in the hospital and send him over to get help. Alone. Not even to get help, just to help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about this plot line? I don't think anyone's making smart choices this round. Magneto's off and Xavier's off. And... When, uh, when Juggernaut attacked, Magneto called the Human Torch for help and then erased his mind afterward. Like he, he could have called anybody, but it's, it's the hospitalized teenager. I don't know. Uh, and it's so much to put on poor little Iceman. He's, he's like just waking up and now he has to save everyone against Magneto. Um, he, uh, Iceman immediately rushes on and is in his little ice slide, climbs right out of his mm -hmm. bed and just zooms on over. And they're quite a ways from the mansion. Like, didn't it take, in the last issue, it took someone like an hour to drive there. So he's, yeah. he's got a ways to go. <laughs> um, then we get to see flashbacks. So, uh, back in X-Men 11, Magneto and Toad were taken by this stranger to a alien planet where he wants to keep things that fascinate him, basically in his private collection. Uh, who wants to tell us about this flashback? They're basically on this planet, Magneto and Toad all by themselves because the stranger went off to observe other planets. And Magneto's like, hey, he left all sorts of space junk. So I'm gonna use my powers to um, build a rocket and I'm gonna leave. Toad, you're gonna stay here. Okay, cool, bye. <laughs> Oh no, it's not just Toad you're gonna stay here. Poor Toad, he says, Magneto says I'm on this deserted planet and Toad says, it's not deserted master, I'm with you. To which Magneto replies, silence Toad, you sniveling, spineless, fawning fool. Fuck you, Magneto, we don't treat people like that. That's not how we oh, treat man. our friends. I, I can't even defend Magneto for this one. <laughs> uh, and then Magneto builds a ship to escape Toad tries to climb aboard and Magneto shoves him off. He pushes him away. Which is, I love that little illustration. You see the bottom of Magneto's boot, poor uh, Toad's falling like Mufasa down <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> now, after this issue, the next time we're gonna see Magneto is, uh, is in uh, an Avengers comic where he comes back to fight Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch who have joined the Avengers. 
And in that, we won't review that in this podcast, but in that Toad gets revenge on Magneto for this. Good. Yeah, Good. Toad comes okay. back and, and is like, fuck you, and like attacks Magneto and helps defeat him. Uh, we will see Magneto back in this original run of X-Men, but not until like issue 44 or something. It's quite some time after this, but Toad will get his revenge eventually. But yeah, poor guy, man. He's like getting called names and kicked to the curb here, literally stranded on an alien planet. Uh, he, he just needs a hug. Poor Toad needs a hug. Poor Toad. He's an insane mass murderer, but he needs a hug. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you yeah. get treated like that by your friends, I mean, not excusing him, but. I I do love me some Toad. Oh, oh again, this costume is uh, a horrible, horrible thing. <laughs> Uh, when we when we uh, shift back to the balloon, Xavier says, and I'm going to read his quote here because it's relevant. I'm going to marshal, quote, marshal all my remaining strength, harness all my energy for the most difficult thought projection of my life. Uh, as for the rest of you, do not speak, do not move. We must not uh, waste our oxygen. So he, he really struggled to even reach out to Iceman. But what is he doing in this moment? We'll learn in a few pages and we can say it now. He's doing the most difficult thought projection of his life. What is, what is he doing? He's finding the stranger. He is summoning an alien entity like a jillion light years across space with his thought powers. Does this track with anything we have seen from Xavier before as far as power levels go? No. Especially not with like, without using something beyond himself, yeah. like a cerebro or something. He is in, he's oxygen deprived, floating in the stratosphere and sending a thought across space. It just doesn't track. No one is that powerful. Even if you're in a mega mutant, that's too much. I, uh, I'm, I'm super annoyed with this plot device. <laughs> yeah. I try to find ways to explain it, but yeah, I don't think there, I don't think there's any, I don't know if there's any way to wrap my brain around this one. Maybe he formed some sort of connection with the stranger when he was on earth uh, and like tagged his brain somehow so that he could like project his thoughts or maybe he's desperate enough to like boost his powers. I don't know. It just, it seems extraordinarily unrealistic even for a comic mm -hmm. that borders on unrealism constantly. <laughs> yeah, maybe his eyebrows are functioning as some sort of like power enhancers. They look pretty intense right now. He, we get a lot of close up of Xavier's face in this. He's he's constipated. He's worried. He's focused. Uh, but those eyebrows, I will always. Uh, they are mutant. They maybe they have their own mutant powers. <laughs> They're all. Each hair is working to help him. <laughs> uh, we get Iceman rushing back to the mansion. Uh, he, he's just gone like a hundred miles on an ice bridge and he gets back and his first thought is instead of just like building an ice slide to propel him upward, I'm going to build an ice ladder and then like <laughs> climb it rung by rung because that's so practical. Uh, <laughs> but then it tips over and he crashes to the ground with a, an icy clank. Uh, well, no, that's the ladder that does it. He doesn't let himself hit the ground. He uses a thin frozen cable that saves him like Spider-Man. That is that's a smart use of your powers. If you're gonna fall yeah. off your own ice ladder. Uh, but Iceman has peered into the window and seen that Magneto is doing something insane. 
Uh, he says, he thinks with his strength, his built-in magnetism, he can accomplish anything, uh, dot, 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 even creating genetic slaves. <laughs> uh, so we peer back in on Magneto and he has all kinds of genetic equipment. He's got like cloning chambers. Where did all this stuff come from? Did he build it from scrap? Oh, no. Maybe it was in the stranger's rocket. Maybe. Maybe Professor X had it. Or maybe it is the stranger's rocket. Oh yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe Professor X kept extra cloning chambers under his bed for emergency purposes. I can see him doing that. But but we get him starting to design these incredible creatures. Uh, he's using this DNA. He flips a big giant ass lever. Uh, and then, and, and I quote, and now my mutant production line is beginning to take form. From original conception to final creation, the process is perfect. Super powerful slaves of Magneto, each like an army unto himself. Uh, what were your thoughts as he's, as he's uh, experimenting or creating these individual mutant clones? This is where I was like where did magneto learn to do this and i don't know talking about the where did he get the genetic material he is a mutant he has genetic material he's using his own because if they're super powerful i just don't get how he did this and they look like cavemen kind of yeah or you know i think they're like taking human form somehow they look like very putty like uh he's looking crazy as he like clenches his fist to the sky and yells, I'll continue to produce them in the tens, hundreds, thousands, millions, until their number is incalculable. They'll overrun the earth, conquering all in the name of Magneto. Uh, this, is not the, this is not the Magneto, when we say Magneto is right, this is not the Magneto we're talking This is about. not it, yeah, at all. <laughs> uh, Heather, what were your thoughts before? Oh, I was just saying, he says, by, the me by means of my selector panel, I'll actually control the size and the strength of the mutants I create. And like, even now, that's not really how genetics work. Mm -hmm. But especially in the 60s, that's not how genetics work. <laughs> They're getting a little closer these days, but it's still not. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird plot, no matter how far you stack it. But especially for Magneto, it's a very, very weird plot. It's a Mr. Sinister plot, but it's not yeah. a Magneto plot. I know, uh, I was wondering if it almost seems like he got this from Mr. Sinister, but... You know, actually, and again, this is a, a live thought coming to me just now. So we've read House of X, Powers of X, the new Hickman series. And we know that Magneto has seen a version, a projected version of the other uh, lifetimes that Moira McTaggart has lived. Uh, and he and Xavier have formed a pact with Mr. Sinister, who is keeping track of mutant DNA. That may be the hole that we're seeking to fill in here. He may have learned some genetic tricks from Sinister, who's who's active and alive during this time. The X-Men just don't know it for a long time. Maybe we just solved the Magneto as a geneticist mystery. Maybe. That, and that's where the machines came from. And yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, good job, Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> you you filled in the plot that you didn't mean to, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so Iceman attacks. He's ready to come in and save the day uh, and and stop Magneto. Uh, sum up what this battle between, I mean, Iceman versus Magneto, teenage Lil Bobby versus Magneto is, is a crazy concept. Uh, but uh, what happens in this battle? What were the moments that impressed you? 
Well, I was first of all impressed that first Iceman builds a block for the machine. So like Magneto can't keep going. And so, you know, he took care of the very first problem very first, which was impressive. Like I gotta stop the millions of slaves from coming out to attack me. That's a smart strategy. Yeah. And the fact that all it took was an ice bridge, you know, right over them. So the machine that who knows how the fuck it's collecting DNA can't reach them with whatever it's using. Magneto starts zapping all kinds of like office equipment at Iceman with his with his magnets, but Iceman builds like a sled to use as a shield and then slide away, which is just adorable. Very Looney Tunes. It yeah. is very Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> or very like Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of miss like in the very beginning of the series, Iceman would create like ice grenades and little ice planes, but now he's like all about ladders and sleds. Uh, I kind of yeah. miss, I kind of miss Lumpy Snowman Iceman just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he builds like a giant ice tube and Magneto slides down his ice tube. You can do with that sentence what you will. And <laughs> they land in an igloo outside uh, where, where Iceman has kind of created something to try to contain, uh, try to contain Magneto. And an igloo is the perfect way to go if you have ice powers. Uh, but, what, but, I, but Magneto uh, obviously has uh, magnetic power. So it's easy to crack the igloo open. Iceman's not gonna last much longer as we can tell. No. Back to the weather balloon. Uh, the X-Men are uh, are ready to get out of there. What happens? How do they get away? Cyclops puts a little hole in the balloon so it'll let them down at a more controlled rate, except that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he, he blasts a little teeny hole to let the gas out. And it just kind of, I'm picturing like a balloon, you know, like when you pop a balloon and it's like, floating down from the atmosphere uh and they almost die but who saves the day now this is again the most impressive use of her powers we've seen she's lifted juggernaut in the air she's done some crazy stuff she's pinned warren to the top of a train but she's controlling five human bodies in a metal balloon re-entering like the atmosphere it's real damn impressive. Even though they don't make a big deal of it here, it's it's incredible. Uh, this is this is reminiscent of the most famous Jean Grey story. Uh, much later on, the X Men are in space. They are rushing toward Earth and are going to face sudden death. Uh, and Jean makes a deal with a cosmic entity named the Phoenix which then inhabits her body and gives her the powers to save her team. Uh, but then she gets inhabited by the Phoenix Force. So this is almost reminiscent of the Phoenix storyline in that Jean is saving her team from uh, orbital reentry uh, in kind of an interesting dig. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see that parallel. Noel, did that occur to you at all? I did not think about that, but yeah, it's like very, very similar. Uh, were you impressed by her powers here? I was, because I was like, they they are crashing to earth that metal ball that they're in looks very heavy and you know every time they show her she's like oh i can barely lift myself this tiny woman and she stops it from hurtling into the earth 
Not only that, but she gets it to strategically land right on the X-Men's grounds. Cause you know, <laughs> when, you're, <laughs> when you're floating from space uh, or the, the stratosphere, you're gonna land exactly on your front lawn, but they jump down, get out of the balloon and they're there just in time to save uh, Magneto from being, I'm sorry, Iceman from being uh, melted away. Uh, talk about this coming fight scene. What were the standout moments for you as they as they turn the attack on Magneto? I thought that it was great that you know they're all um, in tandem attacking him, but they seem to only take him one at a time. After that, like they all start towards him at the same time, but then it's only like. The beast that he <laughs> fights for a minute and then it's the angel and so it's like he'll they, they're taking him one at a time like gang rush him bitches <laughs> <laughs> i did and it could have been like my residual anger at these for what he said to gene in the last episode but i did enjoy the panel of him getting punched in the face by magneto a little more than i was supposed to. <laughs> Deserved it. On the previous page, as the balloon is landing, Cyclops is either sucking up or he's being mind controlled. But the first thing he says, uh, someone, uh, Angel says, it worked. Gene broke our fall. The timing was perfect. And Cyclops says, the professor's record, uh, record is still perfect. He's never failed us yet. So he's either sucking up hardcore. Professor X is like, I just need him to say this so that my <laughs> does not think that I'm a failure. Because, you know, again, he almost led four teenagers, five, to their deaths just moments before. Uh, Iceman is ready to sacrifice himself if it means defeating Magneto, which is just sad. Uh, but Angel picks him up, flies him away. There's... Uh, Brian Michael Bendis has a number of Spider-Man comics and others uh, that he's written where he makes fun of characters getting armpitted. So Angel's <laughs> grabbed Iceman by the armpits in order to fly away. And I, uh, I, I always love a good scene where someone's being armpitted. Yes, very Titanic to... looking. <laughs> yes, I just have to point out the very last panel on page 17 of the Iceman looks like taken completely out of context. Looks a little sketch. <laughs> wow, so Heather. <laughs> well, first of all, he looks very dramatic, but also he kind of looks like, you know, someone's fucking him. Yeah, or maybe he's getting a blowjob. I agree. He's he's like yeah. pleasure face, arms up in the air, fist clenched. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, we don't know what those magnetic powers are doing to him. That's <laughs> Ice, uh, Magneto did just slide down his ice tube like moments <laughs> before and then his igloo, igloo cracked like we don't know what's happening. Uh, how do they defeat Magneto in the end? The stranger comes and picks him up. He's like, nah, you're grounded to my planet. <laughs> the stranger looks like some sort of crazy like ice spirit like coming down from space with a with his little beard he's nuts here he kind of looks like like depictions of the west wind yeah, yeah. Uh, like with the face and everything yeah and uh we don't see it happen in this issue but magneto runs away in his of course magna car mm -hmm. uh but the stranger just 
chases him and he does catch him. He does get him back on his planet, uh, which means Magneto has to escape again uh, before he comes back to Earth. But it works. The the chain the stranger chases him down. Um, we see during the fight, Magneto uses like the word magnet over and over. He talks about his magnetic misanthropes. He talks about maximum magnetic volley. Like he's he's just throwing words out. Uh, and he loves alliteration, this guy. He yes. uh, he will later wear a costume that has like a giant size M that covers his entire torso. Uh, so I, I he, he really loves uh, the letter M. Asteroid M, like House of M. It's, it's his favorite. It is. He's a little self-involved. <laughs> if he hosted Sesame Street, it would be brought to you by the letter M. Yes. The only choice. I would as love much, to see that episode. Oh my god! As much as Professor X loves the letter X, <laughs> yes. maybe that's why they really hate each other. They're like M is the best letter. No, X is the best letter, and they just decide to destroy each other over this simple fact. Yeah. Uh, so, who wants to wrap the issue up for us? What happens with Warren's parents inside, and all of the uh, all of the the crazy clones? The clones all just vanish. Because that's how genetics work. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they call them the android mutants. Uh, just as the first one is about to uh, emerge, they flip a control lever and then they all vanish. They just fade away into nothingness with kind of a fart sound. It's a FFFFTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTTT
we've seen her play. We've seen her play the cook before. The cook had the day off, and Jean had to to go in the kitchen. Uh, there's there's something ridiculous too about uh, they're commenting on the niceness of field trips. Boys need to you know stretch their imaginations. They need a little exercise. And Professor X says, I do try to keep them from getting soft and flabby. Uh, he just almost killed them all. But you know, that's a good way to phrase it. Let's just all sit around and laugh at the end. Yeah, they almost got brain damage from the loss of oxygen, but. But they've also time traveled into the future, been killed and come back into the past to reoccupy their past selves. So, you know, yeah, that's what happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get a, a word bubble at the end or a little panel that says a new type of foe, a new type of story, a new type of action. And it is, things switch up a little bit uh, next issue as we get the first new addition to the X-Men team next time. Uh, canonically at least sometimes you can go at, at, back and add things retroactively but canonically we get the first new addition to the team what are your thoughts on the uh on the cover for next issue in which we get to meet the mimic i like it he he has parts of all of the x-men in there. Uh, big old toes wings visor and an ice slide yeah but no gene that I can see. No gene. Yeah. Yeah, but no little anyway. What was that, Heather? I said, but you, it, hers is more cerebral. Like you can't see it on her. So. Unless we get the pink energy bubble. Yeah. Or like little dotted lines that come out of her head. Uh, did you have thoughts on Mimic, Heather, or your initial reactions? Um, I kind of felt the same as Noel. I liked being able to pick out all of the different features of each X Men and having them all facing him i feel like it's a cool angle he's we'll talk about him next time in detail but he's a very obscure character who gets used quite frequently uh but no one really remembers him <laughs> but we'll talk about him next time so uh as we review this issue what were your overall thoughts was it uh was it a fun adventure did you enjoy it uh who was your favorite character what was your favorite moment i really liked this one i thought it was really fun a lot of different parts to it um, got to see a lot of interactions and um, I would say my favorite I feel like it's the easy choice but I do feel like I have to go with Iceman because he did just get out of bed and go try and save the day and offer to sacrifice himself for the team. Uh, so my favorite character today was Jean Grey. I think her saving them from the orbital reentry is super super incredible like so impressive uh, and uh, I really do enjoy this issue overall. It feels very 1960s camp, uh, but there's some unexpected twists. The 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 weather balloon with the X-Men inside is silly, uh, but, but the inclusion of Warren's parents, uh, this creation of an army of slaves, uh, the kind of building threat of Iceman who's in danger, but also ready to sacrifice himself for the team. Uh, I think we get some really unexpected things and the return of Magneto himself. Uh, with the the stranger making his kind of surprise one panel north wind appearance, uh, yeah. I think there's some interesting twists that kind of add some fun things to the mythos. Uh, as we look into uh, next time, we'll be back uh, next week with uh, X Men number nineteen, which is called very Shakespearean. Lo, now shall appear the mimic. I guess it's almost more biblical than uh, than Shakespearean in its uh, title, but it's a really a really fun issue. Uh, Noella, what's coming up for your podcast? Anything you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I am. 
I am getting close to finishing the pre-X-Men stories. I'm finishing up Namor's stories right now on my podcast, X-Men Unraveled, and then pretty soon I'll get into the formation of the team. So I'm excited for that. What's been your favorite Namor story so far? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I'm uh, working on one right now where he makes his first sort of journey to the surface world. And he thinks he's like super cool and strong and powerful. And he gets sucked into a hydroelectric plant and just like runs into all these issues from not knowing anything from where he's going. He just thinks he's going to show up and like control all the humans. And he gets a little taste of humility, which was a really fun little story. Do you have a favorite Namor villain thus far too? No, I really, who did I like? I, I, I love like Game of Thrones type stuff. And so every time um, Vera, his uh, step, I don't even know where it would be. It's his grandfather's stepson. I can't figure that out. Um, every time he shows up and it turns into this like fight over the throne, I really like uh, that. So Vera in a weird way has been kind of my favorite villain. I love, I love me some Dorma back then too. Although, oh yeah. Uh, although Tiger Shark is probably my favorite. He doesn't come in for a little while, but uh, he's, he's a great character. Yeah. Uh, Heather, you're back. Did you want to share your star player and favorite moment today? Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh huh. Okay. Um, my star player, like Noel, was Iceman because obviously it had to be. Although Gene was a very close second, and it's a little bit ridiculous. But my favorite was on page whenever um, Magneto is hypnotizing the Worthingtons and you get that really close up of him with his super crazy eyes. It cracked me up. I might laugh out loud while I was reading it. <laughs> with his magnetic attraction powers. Uh, fantastic. Where can people find you online if they would like to? Um, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Heather underscore Beth underscore. And I'm pretty easy to find. I'll have to allow you to follow me on Twitter, but I usually do that. And Noel, for you? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at X-Men Unraveled. And then my personal Twitter is L-E-L-L-E-K-E-R-S-O-N-Updates and all of those places. And the podcast is usually wherever you like to listen. Okay. Uh, and then you can find Gray Malkin Lane on Twitter at Gray Malkin P, P for like podcasts. And uh, we are just on Instagram under Gray Malkin Lane, posting lots of old 60s deliciousness. And uh, I'm pretty good at messaging. If you'd like to chat, let me know. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today. We will see you back here next week on uh, Gray Malkin Lane. Have a beautiful rest of your weekend.